Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to What a Load of Cobblers, Cobblers Catch-Up, a handy summary of the week's news from Sixfields. Struggling to keep up with the comings and goings at the Cobblers or just like listening to a Northampton Town Natter? Don't worry, we've got you covered. I'm Tom Reed, and this week I'm joined by Martin Maloney, Luke Fode, and Max Miller. How are you doing, guys? You all right? Well, yeah, uh, very good. Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, mate. Good stuff. Back for a, a new season on the back of a victory, which is always nice. Martin, let's talk a little bit initially about uh, Cobblers 3, Colchester 2 from the weekend. One of those typically nervy games, Slugger, but got the job done in the end. Yeah, yeah, it was It, it was interesting. I mean, for, for 20, 25 minutes... I'm thinking, I mean, a lot who have tipped Colchester to go down and they looked it. They were, they were abysmal. And we were, we were there's some great shapes and that. We, sco- we scored and then fair play. You know, they, they put quite a spirited sort of bat, battle in. But I think that, that first little bit, I was like, right, the season's already unfolding and saying, you know, it's going to be a glorious season. But then we did look, you know, a bit shaky at the back. I mean, the penalty... You know, where, where I'm at, I wasn't sure. We were, we were chatting our WhatsApp group and it looked a bit of a clumsy sort of challenge from, from behind. But mm-hmm. Brendan, who's not on today, was right next to us. Like we, you know, the guy has just fallen as, he, as he's turned. Yeah. But, they, you know, Cole, you sort of had a good battling spirit about them. Mm. But, you know, to, you know, we sort of, you know, had that. Then got we got a penalty that wasn't a penalty as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, which kind of evened it up, but, you know, not the best ever debut, someone having their first ever football league game. Um, but we we looked shaky at the back, if I'm honest. Uh, you know, I think it was probably just some growing pains and what have you with with new team and yeah. fair, fair play to Brady for saying he probably left, left uh, McClure out there 10 minutes too long and, you know, that's probably cost the second goal. But, you know, both goals did come down down the same flank. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the, the kind of... Spirit to keep going, the substitutions toward the end, you know, two subs, you know, combining along with um, Hoskins, who was absolutely brilliant to get that winner. Absolutely brilliant moment. And, you know, I did say, I did say to him, Lee, that I sit next to, Hoskins, your typical Hoskins performance is loads and loads of effort running and you kind of know you're not going to get the final ball or the fit or the finish too yeah. often, which is why he's down with us and not playing in the championship. Yeah. But I thought there was an, a bit of an, you know, I'm not saying Hoskins is never not going to try, but I think it felt like there was a, a bit of a more of an economy of effort. And every key, every key moment, you know, his finish the first one was great. Penalty, you know, with a lot of, you know, nonsense and shithousery. He was absolutely fine, put it in. And then the cross, you know, put it on a plate right at yeah. the end. 
it felt well, you know, if if Sammy can do that and we've just signed him up, you know, that could turn out to be, you know, maybe, you know, at a certain age, some, some, something has clicked that he can be, you know, even better than a guy you'll always give you 100% effort. Which let's, you know, Martin, let's, go, let's go over the goals, actually. Let's go over the goals and I'll bring Luke in for the first. Um, as Martin said, it was actually Haynes that scored the winning goal, not Hoskins, um, Slugger, but... Similar, similar. Both give me eight. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. I meant the ball. The ball. His, his wonderful cross. Yeah, yeah. But um, Hoskins' first goal on 27 minutes to make it one 0 to Cobblers. Um, it's actually a really beautiful uh, bit of first touch from uh, Danny Hilton. Controlled it on the drop, through ball to Hoskins, who finished well from those sort of central positions he does well in. Luke, you know, I, I give him a little bit of stick on 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 Twitter and stuff. Hoskins, he is a little bit inconsistent, but we give him stick because. Because we really want him to do well and live up to his potential, and you know, hopefully, Luke, that goal might be one of many that he actually lives up to his um, his potential and scores. You know, maybe 15 goals this season, maybe more. I mean, everyone who knows me knows I'm a fan of Sam Hoskins. Yeah. Um, I like him. Uh, I get you know he's been inconsistent with the shooting specifically. You know, some goals he should score, some he doesn't. Whatever. But it's interesting because I speak because I've brought it up on Twitter quite a lot this week. I'm saying hopefully how, like you've just said, I hope this kicks on for him to have a good season, finally get some people back on his side and to have a bit more positivity about certain players, if that makes sense. But one thing is I did speak about this on Twitter and I speak to a few fans about it. And what no one seemed, or not that they didn't realise, but that's not really spoken up about is Hoskins did have a serious injury back in, what, 2018 or whatever it was, where he did his ankle or ligament in his leg. And he was out for a good year. And mm. when he came back, we're forgetting this is a player who, at the time, he's not really settled anyway. He's never been to a club and been played thoroughly. The first, we're his real only club that he's actually got consistent football with, or yeah. consistent starts and stuff. And considering we signed as a striker, and then in a transition of playing him in midfield and wing, he got injured. And then had to come back from injury and then transition back to a winger when he's naturally been a striker most of his adolescent career, whatever you want to say, really. Yeah. I think, personally, like... Um, like I said, the, diff- the only reason Hoskins is still in League Two is because he has not been able to score a, a consistent rate as he should have. But I, I don't know. I think there's a player in Hoskins. You see the way he takes a penalty. I mean, I put this on my thing the other day. He scored something about 11 out of 12 penalties and the one that you missed was a save. Mm. And you think to yourself, if someone's scoring penalties like that, and a lot of times the keepers go the same way as him, but don't get there. Yeah. And you think if, a, if, if he can score goals like that and he's obviously got, he can do it. Why does he do it not in more games? Is it because you know, thinking or snatching it? But you know, he's been our top scorer for the last few years, and I do think yeah. Hoskins at the end of his career, in the final career, people look back at him and hopefully realise, you know, he was a big player for us. He was a key player when we got to the playoffs and scored the goal at Wembley. You know, he he got played us in the team that won the league, and throughout, he's always been a big player for us. So I think for me, I don't know if he'll get 15 or 20 goals in a season, but you know, he gets goals and he is a lively attacker. So for me, I think he'll have a good season. Yeah, that's fair enough. And I think there's sometimes a case with players that have been at a club for so long, a little bit of uh, familiarity breeds contempt in a little bit. He's been there for so long, he's part of the furniture, that you sometimes forget about a lot of his attributes. And like I said, when people do give him a little bit of stick, I think it's just because they want him to make that one step forward, get us into League One, maybe be a League One player himself and not just spend a majority of his career in League Two. Because I, I do think he is better than that. And I think he can do better, so... Well, cause, yeah, that's that's the thing. I don't obviously. There's a lot of people, you know, if, if you know, so if he's had a poor game, people might go on his back to criticise and thing. But I don't know about you lot, but I have a couple of lads who sit behind me, old older lads, probably right in their fifties or sixties, whatever. 
and no matter what that man does, yeah. they will just slate it. Like, if you went to the game, uh, do you know the chance where Pinnock whipped one in across and then he looked like he was going to get on the end of it, but it went out of play and he, people say he should have took a touch or something or shot first time? Mm. If you remember that chance, that was literally five or six minutes of the game and then the two guys behind me just went, oh, same old Hoskins, back at it again, new season, whatever. Yeah. And then literally five minutes later, he goes and scores that goal, the first goal of the game, and then yeah. obviously gets a penalty and whatnot. And that's the point. I don't know. If, I mean, I think there's a lot of people who want him to do well and will complain because they want him to do well and they like him. Yeah. But there is a lot of people who will just moan at him because it's a mindset now. It's just like built into them. Just. To... That's cobblers. That's cobblers, Lou. We always cobblers fans always have a whipping boy, and um, just Sam's sort of a little bit of an easy easy target because he he misses a couple here and there. But the best way to shut people up, including myself, is just to keep scoring and and hopefully he does. Of course, that. yeah. And let's move yeah. briefly on to um the. <laughs> Colchester equalised on equalised on 42 minutes from Freddie Sears. Um, Max, it just seemed like we were a little bit shaky at the back there. I think it was um, Noah Chilvers got the best of Pinnock in the corner there, jinxed into the box, and then Tyler Maglor or Malwar, as mine calls him, is a bit more sophisticated. Um, he tussled with him, and, and Chilvers goes down fairly easily. Um, do you think it's Max at a soft penalty, or maybe Malouar just needs a little bit more now not to uh, engage him so much in that position? Um, I think it's a bit of both, to be yeah. honest with you, because I was in the north stand and I had a pretty good um, view of it, like like Brendan did, and even though I agreed at the time um, it wasn't a penalty. But the thing is, is you could kind of tell with Colchester's tactics in that they were trying to take this thing out of the game, especially when we took the lead. It was that they could see that we were going to be playing quite well. And they tried to like m- like make as many time wasting decisions as possible. Um, but with the Magalore incident, it was he did Magalore did put his hands out, and of course, any bit of contact in the box, your the player is always going to go down. And even if perhaps the contact isn't genuine, as long he did he did definitely put his hands out. And if you're an attacking player, that's all it takes is that to try and convince the referee that um, you know it is a penalty. And sure enough, Chilvers went down. And uh, the referee on his first game of the season, the first EFL game, who admittedly I didn't think had a great game, gave the penalty straight away. Um, so, of course, it's you, you can make the argument that perhaps Magalor perhaps just needs time. And, of course, he wasn't fit. I mean, he only trained on Thursday, the Thursday yeah. before the game. And perhaps, although he's having to work with an entirely new or relatively new defensive uh, partnership in um, Shearing and Guthrie. Although yeah. he might know Guthrie, perhaps he doesn't know Shearing that well. Um, so, of course, it, it's, it's going to come over time. Of course, he's, he's going to get fit and um, he's going to start to work. You know, they're obviously going to start, you know, keep training every week in, week out. So it's going to take a bit of familiarity for him to get back up to speed. But mm-hmm. I actually thought, other than that mistake, the mistakes for the uh, first and second goal, I, I thought he had a, a relatively good game. I mean, there's definitely a lot of you know, there was times where he would get the ball and he would, you know, take on his man and try and get up the pitch with it. And I was actually really impressed with him, though, despite making the mistakes. But you, again, I'm not going to, you know, be too harsh on him because it's, you know, he, he's he's not played and he has come back from a pretty, you know, bad injury during his time here last season. Yeah, he's a novice player and he's going to make novice, novice mistakes, isn't he? Be yeah, of course. Playing full time at Northampton compared. to to the level he probably thought he might play his career at. So it's going to take a little bit of time. He, he might actually say that Pinnock, I think it was, who was trying to get the ball off of um, Childers, should have done the work for him. And he actually, there's not much he could do there. He had to do something because the ball was so 
deep into our box and they were quite good at um, cutting balls back as they scored later on with. So you can't really um, sort of be too harsh on Malawa or Madrid. He's, um He hadn't had much of a pre-season, had he? Yeah. Um, and then he's sort of thrown in to play the best part of the game. And, and I I think Max's point is really, is really good. In between being involved in both of Colchester's goals, I thought, you know, his, his use of the ball is kind of marauding forward. Some of the runs he made. He's going to be great. You know, it's such a good signing. Um, and we got away with him having a couple of shaky moments. Yeah. Can I just interject something as well? Yeah. We're not actually considering that a left-sided centre-back got played at right-back. Yeah. Like, Malgore is not a right-back. That's something else that I was a bit... Or the one thing I was a bit disappointed with with the game is we've signed... Lintot and uh, Oddie Mayo, and obviously we McGowan's injured, but he's out as well. But why did Lintot not sign and start that game? Sorry, because if he's a right back and we need a right back to play that game, I don't get why we played a left sided centre back. It right. Yeah, back. I wasn't sure he was left sided centre back, but obviously Brady probably wanted to go with his pace up there. I think Ademayo was injured. Um, it just Brady's always going to try and make a pragmatic choice in that position. But you are right; you want players that are just more natural in their position. I don't look at him and see right back. In fact, no, I don't yeah. add Mayer and see right back, I see centre back. So it's just one of those things. And I think the gaffer was fairly honest, wasn't he, Martin, saying that maybe he kept Malouan on a little bit too too long in the game. And maybe, yeah, maybe it was not Brady's fault, but he took a bit of the stick. Yeah, you make those decisions, don't you, when you're in the big chair? And, and he, he, he got that one that one wrong in not taking him off earlier. And he put his hands up to it, which you can't ask more than that from a manager. And yeah, yeah maybe. I mean, Lintop's only 19, isn't he? So, you know, whether he, he wanted to go with the experience and physicality, but probably should have just gone with it for 60 minutes, not not 70-something. Yeah. This is a, a team still in transition. Uh, Brady's mentioned that, that he's still not a complete side and he's going to be making a few decisions on a difficult basis. So it will settle down in the next few games. Give him five or six games to see where it all settles down. But um, let's go on quickly to the Hoskins second goal. I think it was 74 minutes, so it's quite deep into the game, really. Probably a few Cobblers fans were getting a little bit restless as they normally do. Really needed the win to set our stall out. And um, Hoskins gets a penalty. Uh, he starts the move with a deep cross from the left. Pinnock collects, I think it's Pinnock, cross again, but the ball hits Cameron Cox for Colchester, who was judged to have handled. Also, a penalty to Cobblers. Um, and then Hoskins slots home nicely low to the keeper's right. It's a good penalty. Um, Luke, do you reckon that was a ref evening, evening things out a little bit with the penalty, or was it a penalty? What do you think? Um, at the time, I didn't actually know what happened. I just saw the players put their hands in the air and I saw the line away for it. So at the time, I didn't know what to think. And now watching it back on the highlights, I, I don't think it's a pen. What could the, no. the player can't get his hand out of the way. It's down by his side. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's a pen, but I do agree. Like you said, it, it evened itself out. And if you talk about justice in the game, I don't think their pen was a pen. I don't think our pen was a pen. So yeah. I don't really think there's much of an argument or sort of... Um, Discussion, to, not discussion such, but you know, there's not much time to be had. It's poor refereeing or officiating, but as the game goes, it was quite even. No team can really upset because we both got a penalty, we both scored it. Yeah, for me, it's it's not a pen, but even down what was an earlier, also bad penalty decision. Yeah, fair enough. Max, you mentioned, I don't know much about this ref, you mentioned he was quite inexperienced. Do you think it was one of those cases of when there is a decision to make, that made uh, like a big call and you're inexperienced, sometimes you lean? towards that decision when in the, in the clear light of day you probably look at it and say well 
guy's hands has not moved at all, has it? No, I mean it was it was a very natural position, you know. There wasn't much he could he could have done about it, and I, I thought it was a harsh one. And yeah, it was uh, his first ever EFL game, so of course yeah. it's uh, when you perhaps not worked at this level before, you're going to perhaps fall for things that you would, you know, you in the, perhaps in the future you'd think, oh, you're not going to fall for it. But yeah. you know, you could clearly tell the pressure got to him a little bit, and I mean. There's been a couple of um, new referees introduced and there was a couple of odd decisions, not just in the Cobblers game, but across some of the divisions um, the weekend as well. But, you know, I just hope it's not, you know, we've not because, I mean, Trevor Kettle's retired and we're just hoping that we're not getting, you know, perhaps an even worse referee than Trevor Kettle. Not, I don't even know if that's possible, but um, it's, uh, you know, I, I hope it, you know, he take, he's got to learn some tough lessons. And of course, it's not going to be easy, when, especially when it's your first, you know, game. But it, as long as he takes some of the criticisms and, you know, perhaps tries not to fall for some of the things that perhaps, I mean, when we had, uh, I think it was Bobby Madley uh, refereeing at some point last season, you could tell the experience in that he wasn't giving away the cheap free kicks. Whereas, yeah. Lower, lower referees tend to do it who have not had that experience mm. in working at higher levels. So, you know, I, I'm not going to be too harsh of the referee, especially because it's considering it's his first ever game. But he has he has a lot, a lot of experience to learn and a long way to go, if that makes sense. Mm. That makes sense. And Brady had a little bit to say about the referee. He didn't uh, state the referee too much, but there has been a directive apparently from the Referees Association or whatever to say that they need to be letting the game flow a little bit more. Can say anyway. about this. Yeah, doesn't seem to be what happened on on Saturday at all. But that for me, that's just a general referee, and you should let the play flow. So that shouldn't really need to be sent. To the club. I think maybe be honest. they're reacting to the the lack of uh, ball in play from last season. Someone did the stats where it was in play for like a ridiculous uh, little amount. So obviously trying to work I'm, with that, but you know you can't you can have to work with whatever referee you've got, as we always do at Cobblers. Um, let's move on to get through the goals quickly. Um, the two all um, the equaliser for uh, Colchester, Chilvers, uh, Martin. I thought it was Liam Chilvers. That's how old I am. A guy, I think he played for Cobbles on loan back in the day. I probably played for I, I, I had to Google to see if it was his son. Yeah. <laughs> this is how old we're getting, Martin. Yes. Liam Chilvers. No, it's Noah Chilvers. Noah Chilvers scored. Yeah. Um, and um, just watching it back, Frank Nuble, um, who's a very strong sort of guy, he showed a lot of his power experience to his way into the box. I think he megs Malwar on the, the touchline there. And then he cuts inside past the Chilvers, who finished smartly and low past Burge. Um, Martin, do you think that's a bit of an experience from Malwar there? Or he's, he's going to learn from that experience, isn't he, against a bit of a bruiser? Well, I think the point was made earlier. He's naturally a centre-half. Centre so yep. that's not what he's going to be... He's generally going to be defending um, down, down the byline uh, with someone running at him from that angle. But he was out on his feet and it's easier to get megged or, you know, done or, or to, you know, stick a leg out, bring someone down when you're blowing. Yeah. So I think, you know, you you have to point the finger at the manager for he left the power, was knackered, which he put his hands up to, and they took advantage. I mean, I think the thing with it that, you know, from where I am in the West End, I'm up, up kind of near the North, kind of, I suppose, level with that penalty spot, the edge of the area, right the back row. And it was one of those ones that seemed to take an age to hit the back of the net, and it's yeah. just evaded Burge, and it's just like, oh. And it's, 
oh, it was just crushing because again, it was so quickly after we after we'd scored. Yeah, and it was you know they'd again poor side, um, but a couple of players, the likes of Sears, New Nouvelle, have got a bit about them. Um, they'd kind of hit our weak spots and. It was, yeah, at that point, it was like, yeah, this is going to be a disappointing day. That, that's typical cobblers letting the opposition back into the game. And I think that that sort of goal would be how opposition managers are going to be targeting cobblers, trying to disrupt our newly brought together defence, that centre back partnership, maybe get the balls in between the lines and stuff. And probably tactically from their, their gaffer, he'd be pleased with that. I think Calderwood would be put, putting what left of his hair out. Um, he won't be liking that at all. But I think sometimes when you've got that little bit left in the tank, and we did leave it late, we're going to go on to it, but we have got that little bit, hopefully, touch wood this season, that um, little bit left in the tank. And it was local lad Ryan Haynes from Daventry who scored in the 89th minute. Um, I think Jake Sharps, Jake Sharps tweeted these in. I'm pretty sure he's from Daventry. I, um, I, I missed uh, taught in the table school he went to, so pretty sure he's a Daventry lad. But um, it was a case of the right... Uh, it wasn't. As I learned at work, son of Mrs. Haynes, the teacher. Yes. <laughs> he got in, it's basically the right place at the right time and the ball just came through, you know, various players and he got on the end of it with his left foot and finished really well and it was just a, you know, rapturous celebration as we've seen a few times at Sixfields. Um, Luke, you know, you come down from uni and stuff to watch it. It must have been a really good moment for you and I'm fine, obviously. Uh, yeah, well, um, to be honest, I, I was so up and down in that game when the goal went in I think I just all my frustration just released in one go yeah. because I was speaking with this about my uncle I I think it was a close game and I do think Colchester have a lot more to prove than people think like I think honestly they were a lot better than what I was expecting from them but one thing I thought was I think for the first 30 minutes of the game I thought we had control to be honest I don't mm. really think we looked out of our depths I think we were getting the ball trying to build up some play and create some chances and I think Percy, going back to the point about the referee, even though it was his first game, I think what made it really bad was he was so inconsistent in what he was given as fouls and yeah. how many fouls he was given. I don't think he was particularly uh, giving decisions to one particular team. I think, you know, I remember they got the foul for the penalty and then at the other end, Danny Hilton was running down the byline and he got pushed over and that would be let go. And then about five seconds later, they would get a foul for a push or vice versa or whatever. Mm. And I think that really disrupted the flow and nature of the game. And I think yep. that's actually what made it such a close game is that no one could really get a grip in the game because every second there was a foul or not a foul or frustration just going up in the air. And yep. when that goal went in from Haynes, I, I just elevated. I was like, now just let's not bottle this again. Let's not just give away a cheap goal or anything. But no, it was, it was a great moment for him and a great moment for the fans. I think it was just a good game. In the yeah. End. Yeah, and um, I think a lot of um, accumulators were saved with that goal because a lot of people are packing us this season. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> someone's made some money. Me and Slugger lost our money, but I think, who, who let us down? Didn't it Barrow one or something? I can't remember. See, I always say you can never bet on it. If you bet on opening game, you're a different person because I, I just, you, you know, you can't, I just don't think you can decide who's going to do what. It's just so unpredictable. But yeah. if you do it, I respect you because that's some some yeah. bravery. Yeah. Yeah, but um, let, let, let's quickly move on. Um, not just from the scoreline, um, Max, to the tactics to some extent. And I think Luke alluded to or explained it very well in terms of the opposition trying to break up our flow. But it seemed like we started with a 4-4-2, which is quite transferable and interchangeable and stuff. Can you see yeah. 
can you see like some patterns of play emerging, a style from Brady's, um, you know, the way he does things that, that gives us a bit of confidence going forward? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely there's a, there's more of an emphasis on you know a, a bit more possession based and getting the ball, moving the ball about quicker and in some cases trying to play it more on the floor. Um, it, it's I enjoyed that a bit more in I mean admittedly we did do it in patches and we didn't and there were points where we would perhaps just oof it up and play the long ball a bit more. Um, and that's kind of it still has a bit of colder wood tactics to it. But there was genuine parts where we tried to play. Uh, I think it was a there was a Twitter account that said after the game, I think it was NTFC analytics, I wanna say, which picked yeah. up on the yeah. um the, the shearing and the Koiki, you know, play, you know, but certain uh, you know, Hoskins down that left side, you know, getting it from the right side to the left side, Koiki would bomb forward or and bomb forward and then try and perhaps like set up Hoskins to make a chance and stuff. So there's definitely there's definitely points to the game where it's like we can play some really good football. And I mean, even towards the end of last season, I know we didn't, you know, we didn't particularly, you know, we, we played some good stuff. I mean, that, it was almost reminiscent of some of the first half was reminiscent of the late Norrington away game mm. where if we can play it on the floor, we can play a much better, but it's, just that frustrating part where it's, you can still see Calderwood's got his tactics and it's just, yeah, right, get the ball, oof, or give it to Salby and then he'll pass it sideways. And it's just like there's there's definitely signs that the team is, is starting to try and phase out of it, but it's, it's it's early days, if that makes sense. Yeah, and we had a couple of key injuries as well. Um, Fox was injured and that Bowie, I think, I think he was injured as well. Yeah, and um, Odi Mayo as well. Yeah, and their players, well, specifically the first year, Odimeo does get forward, but they're players that are expected to bomb on a little bit and overwhelm the opposition on the counter and stuff. So when you see them on the pitch, you might see a little bit more, you know, less of the Walter Hilton, a bit more, you know, work, more in terms of those diagonals, which I think it was Shearing was playing a bit like a quarterback over to Kariki on the break. And that, that, they're always quite pleasing, those sort of moves. So there's definitely um, potential there. Um, I'll bring you in, Martin. I like talking to you about these things because you often have a very steady head because you've, like we said, we're old. We've seen people like Liam Chilvers. You've seen so many campaigns that you often, you won't just take one result on on its own, Martin. Have you seen sort of enough to give you hope for maybe that first quarter of the season? Um, I think, yeah, I think there is, there's a lot of quality out out there, you know, some of the signings and, and you know, some of the people who've missed out as well, you know, we've got obviously a couple are out injured as well, but I think, you know, the mid midfield, you've like you you've got your um in the centre, very kind of understated sort of Sowerby, you know, just solid seven out of ten every week. McWilliams is a bit of a talisman for us, I think, you know, and being a local lad as well and, and that that signing was a was a big one for us. And I think it's as our defence had been strong. I think he's brought some good footballers in there. Um, yeah. You know, and probably the best loan player we had last season in McGlaw. It's yeah, I, I think it looks good. I mean, Hilton didn't really get in the box, for, do anything dangerous. But boy, oh boy, we we know. I was just talking to a QPR fan who sat outside, seeing loads of the championship, and uh, we were chatting about him earlier. But we know he'll create stuff. Yeah. Uh, Apre, who I really like, still looks low on confidence, unfortunately. But I, I, I think, you know, we, we've strengthened in the right areas. 
we've replaced you know a good keeper with a with a with a good keeper and mm. that save at the end as well was um tattled, you know that that's worth two points at the end of the season and that that's a lot already yeah. um yeah i i i think you know there's, there's everything to go with and i'm just i'll just um have a look at things with um carnage omika going for 15 million up front it seems with the fee being reported that's 750 grand into the budget that maybe hasn't been you know maybe hasn't been budgeted for maybe has been budgeted for but you know that's some money to play with to continue strengthening and certainly we you know there were no strikers no forwards on the bench uh bowie out injured but you know there's probably you know room to bring, bring one in in that position and you know maybe a wide player and you know, a couple of youngsters or you know some other bit of value they see somewhere mm, i think but yeah i think i think we've got a solid base i love that good young players are coming Thinking it will further their career and maybe turn down slightly bigger clubs because of the record we've got. And yeah, I think it just needs a bit of stardust sprinkling on it now. Yeah, the recruitment's been very good. I think most people, if Epia came in, if Epia was fit, I'm not oh, sure yes. he'd often made of glass, but if he ever came in, that would be a sort of a no brainer signing. He'll bring a lot, Absolutely. Of, a lot of pace and guile to the team. So, someone like and so, that. And sorry, yeah, we are the cobblers. It's not so much sprinkling stardust on it as maybe hundreds of thousands. Exactly, a few little twinkles on the Angel Delight. That's sort of level we're at, but you know we're we're used to it. Um, yeah, but a lot to be happy for, you know, and um, plenty to be positive about, which is um, pretty unusual at six fields. It will go downhill very fast, so let's enjoy it. Um, let's have a man of the match from you, Luke, from the game. Can you pick a star player out of all those performances? Uh, I think it has to be Sam Oscar, to be honest. Yeah. Two two goals and an assist. It's very hard to not give someone the title after that. I think Hilton did have a good game, by the way. He's the one who actually did get man the match. I think he had a very good first half. I think he showed his quality and how why he's a level above most people in the team. But for me, I think it's got to be Sammy Hoskins. Hilton's got plenty of quality. That first touch for that first goal and just his general hold up play is just a level above. So long may that continue. Uh, Max, man of the match, please, mate. Oh, I'm going to say Sean McWilliams for that one. Uh, thought he had a very good game. Again, you know, pretty much a, a nine out of ten performance from him every week and of course followed up by his uh, you know always has to get a yellow card every other game so <laughs> although could have arguably been sent off but uh, I'm not complaining either way but I thought it was a, a fantastic a fantastic performance from him once again. Martin can you bet on yellow cards for Cobblers players because he, he'll probably be about ten to one on for a yellow card but I'll still give it a go Martin can you do that? I'll, I'll have to check on Saturday on, on Skybet where I do my betting um, we'll check. Um, I've, I've got to say, I thought that was a straight red um, from where I was. I was very relieved to see a yellow card come out. And on man of the match, yeah, I think he even said it himself. Yeah, two goals, one assist. What else you got to do? Um, super yeah. Sam all the way. Yeah, his stats are always really good. And his stats are going to be starting off really well season. So, yeah, we'll see what happens the next game. <laughs> That's it with Sam Hoskins. One game to the next, but you can't do much more than that. Um, you know, yeah, give it to Sam Hoskins. So that is the... Um, main choice from the supporters as well uh let's move on to other news still cobblers related but a little bit more loosely carney chuck wamika has transferred from aston villa to chelsea in a deal reported to be worth up to 20 million pounds now for those who didn't know or don't know carney chuck wamika was on the books of the cobblers academy until the age of 12 um he was take well taken how would you describe it? he transferred under the terms of the elite player performance plan 
two Aston Villa at the age of 12. They've got a Category 1 academy and they took it. We've got a Category 3, so we don't stand a chance in keeping players like that. Uh, he played for various England under unders age groups while at Northampton School for Boys. And Northampton School for Boys have produced quite a few good players, not just in football, but as well. Um, Chukwamika made his full Villa debut against Brentford in August 2021, I think, and just weeks before, captain England under 19s in a 2 0 win over Italy. Uh, clearly, a huge talent, and has made the move to Stamford Bridge in a six year deal, which is pretty significant. Six years is a huge deal for him. Um, Martin, firstly, like, what a story for the lad, who I think comes from Eastfield or lived on Eastfield towards the Eastern District. Um, it shows that kids from the back streets of Northampton can make it at the highest level. It's, it's, a, it's a real coup for the town, isn't it? It's, it's great. It's great to see. It's great to see. Um, you know, we there. You know, there there are good good young players all all about the place. And to be fair, we only had him for a, for a few years. And you know, it's it's nice to see we get something. I mean, the trouble is, you know, is before the the latest rules. You know, sometimes yeah, you did sell players. I mean, we sold players we'd never heard of for like five and six hundred grand. But equally, there are other times you got nothing for someone, at least with this, when someone turns into an absolute superstar. You know, we're, we're going to pocket, you know, seven hundred three quarters million, maybe rising to a million um, for him. So that, that's good. But yeah, it is. It's, um, you know, there's, there's always hope around the corners. You know, there'll be things happening at the club that you don't really know about. And people may be leaving, you know, at some point through the youth setup that maybe come back to... Um, Whatever the opposite of, is of haunt us, you know they 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 come back and um, bring some money in. Yeah, Luke, it shows the, the difficulty of Cobblers Academy of keeping such talents. Um, really, Cobblers fans want to see him coming up like a Sean McWilliams coming to play in the first team when they can be taken at the age of twelve, which is still very very young. It it just it's just a difficult job for Cobblers to keep hold of their top talents, isn't it, Luke? Well, yeah, definitely. Um, and I feel like if you are a kid. Um, especially growing up in Northampton, you know, it's not a lot of people don't really support the local club, they'll support Premier League teams. If you're a kid from Northampton, you get offered to go to Villa, Chelsea, or any team in the Premier League for that matter. Yeah, it's going to be hard to sort of persuade them to stay at Northampton. Yeah. Um, but it's a bit of a sweet thing, isn't it? Because I look here and I and I think uh, there's a few people who obviously correct me. When I first saw it, I, I had it in my head, you know, the four million, 20 percent a broad thing and you're looking at it thinking oh god you'd love that a club like this with that sort of money would absolutely you know revolutionize us but then yeah. you got I, I sort of sat back and I think about you know our top player that we know of Charlie Good he was our captain he won promotion with us as a starter as a top of our squad player and to get somewhere near the same amount of money for a player who was 12 who's never even featured for any of our teams properly it's nice, isn't it? It's nice to for a club our size to get rewarded for finding that talent and yeah. at least getting something that may be not money to any other clubs, but to us is, you know, you said it earlier, 700k is not pocket money to us. That That's a significant fee. And like yeah. I said, if, you, if we go and sign someone, say now, like Epia, that, that signing isn't just your everyday signing. My uncle actually said to me on the game out after Colchester, he said, no, if I'd sign Epia, that's the sort of signing someone like Peterborough would make. The teams that, you know, we're probably envy of because they always get good players, do well for us, sell them for millions. And yeah. Epi is the sort of player we can now go get with this sort of money, probably help us get promotion if we if we can really go for it and possibly even make some profit off in the future. So for me, I think 
it's important as an academy to even if we're not going to get players to play for our first team to try and get players we're at least going to try and benefit from financially whether we sell them from young or you know they maybe do get into our squad like McWilliams like you know it, uh, even though we're not always going to get the players we want and we're going to keep hold of them it's good because we're still going to benefit from it if that makes sense yeah yeah it's always a difficult one he's such a talent that it would have been difficult to keep hold of him anyway Mm. Like I said earlier, we'd wanted to keep him through the under-16s, under-18s, but he was just such an emerging talent that I think it would have been very hard to keep hold of him. Um, yeah. Max, I'll quickly try and explain from what I can read. I've read through the Triple P Paul book, which is, I don't recommend it, it's worse than like bloody Crick, Wisden Cricket album or something like that. <laughs> particularly boring. Well, I might end a cricket, he might like Wisden, but yeah, it's um, particularly boring. But from what I can work out, James Hennigan's had a look as well, and he sort of says that Cobbers are in line for 5% of the transfer fee which is reported to be 15 million up front, rising to 20. Yeah, that sort of adds up to about 500,000, maybe a little bit more. Um, yeah. And then, happy to be corrected, it's quite difficult to work out, but there are appearances up to 1.3 million for 100 Premier League appearances, which is nice. It's obviously nothing, because if someone makes 100 Premier League appearances, they're worth way more than 1.3 million, but still an important fee, um, you know, amount for the club. And yeah. it says that, 5% refers to all future transfers. So if, if uh, Chelsea sell him to Man United, you know, we might get 5% of 50 million. Is that actually in the rules? That is, I've read the rules. I'll, I'll put the rules up on Twitter for people to read, but it says 5% refers to all future transfers. While oh. you're talking, I'll bring it up again. But um, as I said, don't hold me on that. Because now that, that does Chelsea, sound up. That, that sounds a bit. Um, like just like, I mean if it is bonded, true, like then... bonded labour and slavery and things yeah I'll, 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 like I'll read it out for you now I'll read it really out for you now it's very boring but right so um, 5% of all compensation fees and transfer fees where applicable loan fees and contingent sums paid in respect of all future transfers of the academy players registration whether permanent to clubs in membership of the league the football league or the national league so the fact it says all future transfers is pretty clear that it's, you know, it knocks on to the next one. I'm, again, it needs a sports lawyer looking at it, but I don't want to get everyone's excitement up. But if obviously Chuck Vermeek now is worth 20 million, when he when he's played a few games, it's going to be worth more like 50. So again, it needs looking at. Hopefully, someone can clarify it. But if it is five percent of all future transfers, indentured labour, as Martin said, that could be five percent of 50 million, and that might be a game changer. But um, we'll, well, it is. I suppose no, it's, yeah. it's transfer fees rather than. Um rather than wages or anything, which would absolutely be be all of those horrible things. I suppose, in a way, we'd do with him being a bit bit okay and being that sort of player that always goes to a promoted, you know, Burnley or West Brom signing for five or six million yep. each time they take their turn being promoted. And it's just, you know, a little, like, a few hundred grand comes our way every couple of years. So I was about to say, does that mean, so no matter, like, I mean, obviously you don't, like they make the rules, Tom. I know I'm just wondering because you're yeah. reading it. Yeah, yeah. Does that mean so if he goes signs so at Man United and he signs for someone else every time he signs, we get five percent? Listen, listen. It, it needs, like I said, it needs someone that knows what they're talking about reading it. But I just read it plainly, and maybe that is, I've misread it. But have a look. I'll send you the link, and you have a little look. Yeah, I've been thinking. That's interesting. That, that, is the case, that might be a game. <laughs> that's, if that's the case, and I'm looking forward to this because. <laughs> He'll be sold for Peterborough the next one, sixty-five thousand. Yeah, but if we get some money, I don't mind. <laughs> Give us the money. <laughs> yeah, as I said, we caveat everything with if it's a set of bibs and a Mars bar. I'm sorry, I don't want to get everyone's hopes up, but yeah, just have a look at little, look at the rules yourself. If you've got a sports uh, sports lawyer in your family, get him to have a look. But 
Um, that's, that's, uh, yeah, that's so, so, so Max, um, it's a bit of a galling one to an extent in, it's galling in a lot of ways because clearly he's worth a lot more than we've got for him. We lost him, yeah. well, so really you can't complain too much, but it was just that 20% rule. That was that 20% rule was definitely in the rule books. If we, if um, Villa sold into AC Milan or Bayern Munich or whatever, we would have been entitled to 20% instead of that 5%. It's just how it works, isn't it, in football? Yeah, it is. Uh, but it's, it's you know, when you look at uh, football, you know, now, um, I mean, I think I think someone uh, comment, replied to James Hennigan earlier on saying that um, we should actually be due another 150k uh, when he makes his debut for Chelsea, as he will get, uh, as that will bring him to 21st team appearances. Yeah. So that was what Ben Trasler put on uh, Twitter, yeah. uh, just thought I credit the source. Uh, but it's um, when you look at all the teams he's been linked with. I mean, every time you read the BBC Sports like like news column and it, like where they'd say like you know the paper talk, you know he's been linked with pretty much every top team in Europe. I mean, there's been Bayern Munich, there's been AC Milan, you've got uh, Juventus were interested in him. I think I read one where you know Liverpool, Man United, and I think PSG were all keeping tabs on him. And so he's mm-hmm. he's clearly a huge talent, and he's you know um, he's, he's quite well thought of as you know the next upcoming you know midfielder. And he's always been tipped that even at Aston Villa. I mean he might not have played many games for them, but he's he, he you know he's still trying you know to make his way in football. And you know. As much as I, you know, perhaps a little bit question them, perhaps the move to Chelsea early on, but it's still a great move for him regardless. You know, he, he's got a lot of competition, but if he can, if he can really push it, he'll he'll make it. Um, but it's just football sometimes, and that, you know, you get your hopes up and then it goes one way, and you know, football has a tendency to go the complete opposite direction. But still, it's cash flow that the club need, and hopefully we can, you know, like Luke said and Martin said, that if we can get FBI and perhaps another, perhaps a permanent creative player, that would be fantastic, that we perhaps, you know, a young permanent creative player that we could perhaps sell on for and get more money than we paid for it would be fantastic. Yeah, you weren't sure particularly, Max, really about the choice of club, because in terms of getting game time for Chelsea, they're pretty notorious for sending guys out on loan to Belgium or Holland or whatever. You, you just weren't sure about the destination, maybe. Yeah, yeah of course. Like I said, I'm, I'm not criticising, you know, Chelsea or the club or or Carney here. Um, it's it's just because when you look at you know how football trend has gone in recent seasons, where you see a lot of English footballers going abroad. I generally thought it was going to happen. You know, when you look at Jude Bellingham going to Dortmund, you had Jaden Sancho going to Dortmund. Even um, a former Cobblers youth player has gone abroad to. Um, uh, France of for Reem for and that was uh, Fraser Hornby, who I think again we sold to Everton under the is it E E P P is it E Triple P uh, yeah um, and he's now in in France and now on loan at a Belgian team for this season, so it's kind of like I was kind of thinking maybe he'd go along that line but because AC Milan again are another team that likes bring through youth players and you know and he would learn a lot from some of the players that they've got there you know again it's another star-studded lineup. Um, but like I said, I'm not criticising Carney. He's he's a fantastic player, but I just thought it just seems a bit odd that he's tried to move from Villa, where he's perhaps going to be mentored by one of, um, well, perhaps you could consider Steven Gerrard, arguably one of the greatest midfielders yeah. of our generation, um, to to Chelsea. So I I, uh, I just again not criticising anyone. It's just I just thought at the time I just thought it's a 
seemed a bit of an odd move, especially for that career. I just hope, but apparently they've already said that there's no plans to loan him out this season and that he will be competing. And I thought, yeah, and once I read that, and I thought, yeah, fair enough, and you know, good luck to him. Just hope, uh, hope Caleb can do the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not sure about that one. We'll see, we'll see with him. But um, I think Chuck Carney, Chuck Wimika is one of these guys that's sort of literally on the cusp of the big time. So maybe that fear of him going on loan and stuff is unwarranted in terms of his his ability. And he's been talked about maybe being a start for England senior side sooner rather than later so you know all the best to him everyone wishes him well for Northampton and I don't think there's much no hard feelings uh, especially if you have a choice man United 50 million um, I don't want to pick that up <laughs> too much but yeah <laughs> um, let's move on from Chuck Romika and his millions six-year deal must be worth a hell of a lot already uh, let's move on to the somewhat lesser um, you know monetary value cobblers v Grimsby just a little bit right then let's preview Saturday's game between cobblers and Grimsby Pleased to be joined by Charlie Cross of Grimsby Town online fanzine, Cod Almighty. How are you doing, Charlie? Not the best result at the weekend, but, you know, it's only early days, isn't it? Yeah, indeed. We're only one game in and I felt that uh, it was a harsh defeat for us, but it's one we'll take on the chin and I'm sure we'll come back stronger. But yeah, I'm doing OK, thank you. That's good. Um, let's, let's talk a little bit about it. You went to Leighton Orient, little trip to the smoke. They're quite a difficult side to play against, I find, and quite a well-run club got a new manager, I think, so they're always going to be difficult to beat. You lost um, 2-0. Was it an easy win for uh, Orient, or did you give them a bit of a game? I wouldn't say it was an easy win. Definitely in the first half, I'd say it was very even end-to-end. Both teams having good chances. I'd say we'd have had the better of the chances in the first half and probably should have scored. But uh, as you literally just said, it's, it was a professional job from Leighton Orient. They're an established League Two club. And uh, yeah. it was, a, you know, a, a penalty was given... It felt harsh on the day, but looking back, it was probably right. And then 1-0. And then it was an absolute wonder goal for the second. If you've not seen it, I'd highly recommend you go and see it. It's, it's going to win goal of the season for something, for sure. It was it was fantastic. Uh, so, yeah, it's annoying. But 2-0 uh, and then they just professionally saw it out for the last 20 minutes. You know, I was a little bit frustrated with our reaction and the lack of energy after we went 2-0 down. But it's to be yeah. expected. We've not had long off, you know, uh, since we've only had about a month in the a lot of other teams have had longer, but yeah, I'm just making excuses now. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we do well as lower league football fans. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but one of those games maybe of, of, of small margins where on another day you might have scraped a draw, you might have lost one nil or something. Just one of those ones where exactly, it's yeah, yeah, badly for you in the worst time. Um, were there, what, what were like the positive points for you out of your uh, performance? Would you say? Uh, I liked our defence. I thought we were solid despite the two nil. Uh, I thought that it was one of our strongest areas. I thought the back four were really, really good, especially uh, one of the young boys that we've got on loan called Andy Smith. He's from Hull, and I think he's really well-rounded and fast, you know, at the back, which is something we've not seen at Grimsby for a long time. Uh, I was impressed with our winger as well. I thought he caused problems and he had a final product, unlike one of the wingers we had last season. I was a little bit... I couldn't quite put my finger on our midfield yet. I didn't know if it was just they're still taking time to gel or if we yeah. really miss Ben Fox that much. Or I'm not sure yet, but uh, I, I liked our back four. Yeah, I thought we were strong at the back. We're certainly mi- missing Ben Fox because he's injured, so you might be happy with that. He's injured straight away. Yeah, definitely. Really a, a lot of our players are getting injured, to be fair. I think it shows, you know, we, we pushed really hard at the end of last season. I think it's going to have an effect on our early season. I think in the first 10 games, we could struggle. But I think we'll still be all right. But I think early on in this season, we might we might see some defeats where we probably shouldn't. Yeah, and what 
well, the negative points from your performance, you said that you didn't quite see the game out. Was that like fitness maybe, you know, the, the fatigue? Yeah, definitely. I think a lot, of, you know, and a lot of players, are, as I say, are picking up injuries and still tired and, yeah. and not at full fitness. So, yeah, we definitely, I think after going 2-0 down, it just felt flat. I don't know if it was just late in Orient being professional with seeing out the game and making sure we didn't get any tempo or we just kind of didn't have it in us left, you know, to try and challenge after going 2-0 down. But mm. yeah, I'd say certainly that was uh, an annoying and a negative of the game. <laughs> yeah, but this is sort of happens at the start of the season, especially when you've got promoted, you have a long campaign. There's going to be a bedding in period, isn't there, just to get you established. But you'll kick on eventually, hopefully not. Obviously. Oh, I have no doubt we will, yeah. Yeah, um, you sold uh, John McAtee recently. Um, he's not a player I know massive about, but you sold him to Luton, which suggests he's a player of some some class, and then loaned him straight back. Back? Will he be playing on Saturday? I can't see why he wouldn't. If I'm honest, I think you know he's he's one of the few players that are fully fit in the side, and uh, mm. he played last Saturday. And uh, yeah, if he's, he's he's come straight back to us. So yeah, I I, he, I think he went down to Luton to take his photos, and then he came back straight away. I think mm. that was literally it. So I think you'll definitely, I think you'll definitely see him on Saturday. I can't okay. see why he wouldn't start, if I'm honest. And what sort of forward striker is he? Uh, he's not an out-and-out striker. I'd say he's more of a centre forward. He, he likes to sit behind, uh, typically one of our strikers, and he's more a bit more creative. But he's you'll, you'll just you'll, you'll see on Saturday uh, when you watch because he's just got, he, at his feet. He's brilliant, and then he's got a, a lovely range of passing, and he can strike as well. He's one of those players. For me, he's got a little bit of an ego on him, but he needs that to get, you know, he, yeah. it's what makes him so good, in my opinion. He, he, he always wants the ball and he's he's got the quality to always warrant the ball, in a sense. Yeah. So uh, I think he's he's got everything, but he's it's more creative side than is what you'll probably see. I like that ego in a forward. I like the player that wants the ball, that breaks the mm. to score and stuff. That's what you want. You don't want like a wallflower up front. No, no. Positive for me, but... Have you done this sort of deal before? Is this a bit of a benchmark for you, learning, learning him back? Because obviously, if you just lost him to Luton, that would be massive for you. But the fact that you've still got him for a little bit is, is useful, isn't it? Yeah, right. It is new for me. It's, it kind of almost seems like a football manager transfer, you know, when you you, yeah. you make a deal and you get him back straight away. But uh, no, it's the first time I, I've seen this for us anyway happen, where we've sold someone but then got them back. But I, I think it's, you know, it's it's what he would have wanted and especially all of us fans you know as you say to lose him now it would have been a huge blow and I would have questioned if we could have stayed in the division without him but uh to have him back and you know for him it's not going to be like oh I'm just at Grimsby now you know that's it he's, he's going to want to still show that he's he's good because he's he wants I'll assume he'll want to get straight into the first team at Luton next season so we'll still have that desire I think that he's had previously to you know show himself and and show what he can do I think there's a lot to be said for a player that's progressing at a club because it's not an easy mix sometimes it's not an easy method to make a player progress and if a striker or forward is coming along really well at Grimsby you really as Luton there's nothing in it for them really to if he's not going to play straight away to just put him in the subs you know the reserves or send him out on loan someone else it's keeping where he's progressing we had it with Callum Morton I remember a couple of years ago he absolutely smashed it in for us and then I think he went to Lincoln after that and he got injured or whoever and he had you know, he hasn't really hit the heights I would say as he hit that season for Northampton so McAtee has obviously got something about him and Luton rate Grimsby as a as a team, team to progress him so we'll see where that goes hopefully he doesn't score on Saturday um how do you rate the transfer window in total I know you're not massive on the transfer rumours and stuff but you, there's obviously still room 
for a bit of business to be done at Grimsby? Yeah, definitely. I, I'd say our transfer window has been strong. You know, I, I'd, I'd have said before our 2-0 loss, I thought we'd have brought in enough players to look good at the start of the season. You know, we brought in Halifax as captain and we've made lots of additions in the midfield, which is yeah. annoying because they weren't very good, but uh, <laughs> I thought we'd made nice additions. Uh, Striker's still a position I feel we're lacking, but I feel like we've improved in a lot of areas uh, in the squad. And I feel like we've brought in nice additions, you know, ones that perhaps haven't cost us too much and, you know, a lot of free agents here and, and we've picked up players that have previously worked under our manager, so that's always good. But yeah, I, th- I still think we need maybe one striker and perhaps a midfielder, but you know, if if we ended the transfer window with the current squad we have, um, I'd still be confident. Mm, that, that sounds very similar to us. And this early season start has caught a lot of teams on the hop. I still think they're all going to be works in progress going forward in the next few games. So it's going to be quite interesting tussle on Saturday. You talked a little bit about your manager Paul Hurst, who has been fairly highly rated at points, hasn't he? He's you know been up and down a little bit with his management career, but still manager of potential do you still see him as a solid choice yeah oh definitely yeah for, for, for what he's done for for Grimsby and for me during my life he's only ever brought good things to the club and all, all our promotions and when I've seen us win it's been under Paul Hurst so uh it's it's been a I, I I certainly rate him highly as a manager but yeah he struggled a bit when he went higher up I don't know if it was just wrong club wrong time you know Ipswich were in a, a bit of a mess when he joined them and I think they wanted yeah. him to get out of it and couldn't really struggled and then that that's damaged his reputation I think a lot you know he, re- he really didn't do very well at Ipswich but then he's come and then he also I don't think did very well at Scunthorpe but then they're also in free fall so I think I, th- I, I certainly yeah I still think he's a manager with a lot of potential and one that can definitely push on but uh yeah perhaps this level is maybe his his scene this is where he wants to be yeah he probably feels more comfortable in League Two at Grimsby, and just gives him a, a chance to consolidate, maybe pick up some of the themes he was picking up before, and just kick on a little bit. It just seems quite a fairly thoughtful manager, which I always find a good attribute. Um, what's his tactics like? Has he got a particular formation he leans on, or what sort? Of, how would you describe his football? He never goes narrow. I, I wouldn't. I would never. You know, he loves to keep us. You know, four four banks of two. Yeah, that's, that's definitely him. Uh, he's from Yorkshire, so he doesn't get very uh, experimental. But uh, no, yeah. uh, he, he likes width and uh, typically a four-four-one or a four-five-one. He doesn't often play with two out-and-out strikers. You know, it's kind of there's a lot of creativity down the wings, and then. But yeah, he's yeah that that's never narrow. That's that's how I describe him, and yeah. you know, just keeping us, you know, shape and making sure that we're we're we're, we're steady. Yeah, we're organised. Sounds yeah. fairly similar to John Brady, although he's been playing two up front recently. Uh, we've got a couple of Apare and Danny Hilton, who's obviously very uh, experienced. We've got some good forwards, um, you know, in our attacking line. We've got a guy called Bowery on loan from Fulham, I think he is. He's pretty useful as well. He's coming back from injury as well. I don't know if he'll play, but that'll be an interesting sort of uh, line-up face-off on, on Saturday. Um just a little bit about, we talked a little bit before about your chairman, uh, Jason Stockwood, I think his name is. Yeah. Um, just seems to have the club on an even keel after some sort of tumultuous years. Um, you sold plenty of season tickets, haven't you? Is it over 5,000 season tickets? It is, yeah. It's, it's brilliant. It's great to see. A bit more pride in the club at the moment, would you say? Indeed, yeah. Well, there's just this, this positive feeling around the club and I think that's just getting everyone involved and, you know, there was a, 
after winning the playoff final, there was this push to sell season tickets. I, I don't, I personally didn't think it would ever get this high, but there's just been a, a real push from everyone in the, you know, in the in the town and then from areas around to to really pull together. And you know that that atmosphere is back at the club. It's it's not even back. I'd say in my sense, it's the first time I've I've kind of seen this this really really positive. Like there's been times where it's been positive at the club when we've been doing well, but this is kind of like it doesn't matter kind of what happens. We know what's you know we're in a, we know we're going in the right direction and we know it's positive that kind of thing and I think he's just brought that to us and I think that's just fantastic yeah it might be a, a fairly big gate on Saturday because I think we're going to bring a few people like a little oh, bit I, I should think it'll be a sellout crowd you know if, yeah, if, if you that's... if you bring everyone yeah I've no doubt that we'll fill it because three of our stands are already full so we'll see so the capacity is what sorry I'm not uh I believe it's about 9,000 if I had to guess so it could oh. just be about 9,000 Oh, sorry, eight thousand five hundred. I could see that. Wow, that'd be uh, that'd be a big, big gate and a bit of a bit of an occasion. It just depends whether if we can quieten your fans a little bit, maybe get on the um, front foot in the first few minutes, maybe score an early goal. I'd be interested to see if that positivity continues. Yeah, right. uh, yeah. I have no doubt you'll probably have the better of it in the first twenty. We always seem to start slow, but I, I think we could come into it in the end of the second. It's just our fitness levels are. I, I personally think you will edge it. I think you've got a really strong squad, and as you say, you've got experienced strikers. But um, I think it'll be a close game. I think it'll be a really tight affair, and the atmosphere, yeah, as you say, it'll just be fantastic. Fair enough. Is there any players to watch out for? You mentioned like a winger or whoever else. Um, who, like, if you had to like maybe say one or two players to watch out for, who would you recommend? Well, always John McAtee. You, you yeah. never know what he's going to do. You know, he's, most of the time he picks up the ball and blazes it ten yards over the bar. But sometimes he can hit one from from you know, deep and it'll do really well. Uh, Gavin Hullahan in the middle of the midfield. I think he's our best midfield at the moment. He's really good. Andy Smith, I've pointed out. And then Mishi Effetti, he's a, a dark horse. He's our right back. He likes to drive forward. He's a strong, strong right back. And he, he can drive forward and create chances just as well as he defends. So I think, I, I you know, I wouldn't be adverse to him scoring on Saturday. He scored a lot last season. and I think he, he could continue that this season. I'd be quite averse to him scoring, to be honest, mate. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's got a great name as well, so we'll look out for him. Yeah. Very strong name. So let's go with a score prediction. I, I usually make the other person go first so I can think about it while they're talking. <laughs> uh, what would you, what would you, you know, put your colours to the mask? What would the score be on Saturday? As I, I think it would be tough, as I said. Uh, I think it would be a really tight game. Will we score... Probably not. I don't think from what I saw against Leighton Orient, I think if we score, it'll be a little bit lucky. So I'm going to go one nil to Northampton. I'm not going to back us. Yeah, that's funny because um, I've been speaking to my colleagues earlier and um, I got one nil there. I'm going to stick with one nil because you said one nil. One of the guys said three two because we won three two on Saturday and it was all a bit all over the place. Oh, if if it's three two, I'd love that. You know, yeah. You know, bring bring the crowd back and the kids love to see a goal. So. I think if it's 1-0, it'll be a bit boring and maybe people won't come back. But uh, yeah. so I, I certainly hope for a high-scoring game. But no, I think it'll be a cagey affair. Yeah. It's an entertainment game. Obviously, you want to see goals. But I can just see us one goal in maybe the 70th minute and then maybe try and hold our like with back yeah, to definitely. the usual yeah. way to do it, especially under John Brady. But yeah, it's going to be a good game. The weather's very nice at the moment. It'll be a good occasion. It's nice to have you guys back in the league. As I said earlier, I don't think Ben Fox will play because he's injured. Um, but just be a good game and um, yeah may the best team win thanks for talking to me indeed no worries Martin 
give us a prediction for that game. Obviously, it's going to be a difficult one. Grimsby lost at the weekend. They're going to be hurt. I'll be confident. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I, yeah, I think um, we we had a few growing pains. Maybe we'll just get to know each other pains on um on Saturday that that cost us. Uh, but we still managed to, to grind out a win. Uh, doesn't sound like any of the injured players are going to be back, so it's pretty much the same group to pick from. But I just think they'll be a bit tighter. We're playing a you know a side who, to be fair, did win the conference last year. But we sort of, we signed there. Well, they've got that McAtee back there for forward. They love who Luton have paid for a load back. But you know we signed Fox from them. He was um, one of their strongest players. Yeah, I, I fancy us a little two, a little two one win. Okay, nice one. That sounds just about right. We need to get our bets back on track, Mike, and we've got. To we, we do, we do, we do. <laughs> oh, you're nine game, you're nine game backers rather than like covering four out of five or five out of six. <laughs> you're, you're you're a bit too cavalier for me. <laughs> it's got to be worth worth your while. It's got to be worth like a million quid in returns. Otherwise, no point doing it. <laughs> my, my mate, my mate, my mate Chris used to back in the days of. Um, I'm going back probably 15, 15 years or so. We used to share a house or, or so we'd go down to County Tavern and watch European games on a Tuesday and a Wednesday. He would be skint, but he would have a betting slip that he'd printed out for a million quid and he'd add like 50p on or something. But it would be the, the goal scorer and minute for the first goal scorer in about five Champions League games. And for at least you know, five or ten minutes, he was, you know, he was on for the million quid. <laughs> <laughs> then of course someone scored who wasn't the right person at the right time and, um, it was all for now and now he's a millionaire Martin he eventually won and he's uh, he's moved on to <laughs> but no, no, he's, he's had a couple, couple, couple of reasonably successful albums since but definitely his music his music making is better than his money making he's kind of Chuck Wimika's agent that's what he is <laughs> <laughs> you know he's, 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 he's probably more the day Chuck Wimika with a family than one <laughs> <laughs> one who didn't make it at all. <laughs> or Charlie um, Chocolamaker. <laughs> Slugger's gone 2-1. What about you, um, Luke? What's your prediction, mate? Um, I think I'm going to agree with him. I think I'm feeling 2-1, to be honest. It's going to be a hard one because Grimsby seem very united at the moment. I've got a mate um, called Danny Sports Grimsby, and I speak to him a lot, and it seems that them going down to non-league just made their club a lot more tight together again. Mm. Um, he says everyone's got a massive feeling there's a massive sort of togetherness around the club I think they've sold a lot of tickets for the game on Saturday actually for a club in League 2 and I just think it. I've been to Blunder Park once and I think it can be quite a it, it feels like a battleground sometimes I think you know, it's the beginning of the season we don't really know what team's going to be good or what bad I think it could be a very big testing game especially physically but um, I feel positive like you said we signed one of their best players in Ben Fox I think we personally do have a lot of quality in our team I still think they need to gel but I think year two one is is a good shout. It could be a similar game to on Saturday. Actually, they're going to probably try and disrupt our play. Mm. De- uh, dare I say, intimidating probably is an understatement. There was a time, oh, it's ten, twelve years ago, where they needed to win for automatic promotion. Yeah. And we had nothing to play for. I think we were up already, and they they were winning one nil. The referee blew it, blew his whistle for a corner or an offside, I think it was. They invaded the pitch thinking it was full time. It wasn't. They all went back and it was a corner to us. And a corner was taken. Ryan Gilligan headed it headed it in. 
and it was just this mass of Grimsby fans coming towards coming towards our end, <laughs> and like mounted police in between us, and it was like, oh, this is a bit fruity. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure Ryan Gilligan mentioned that when I interviewed him, actually. I think he remembered that himself. But, yeah, that's definitely definitely one from the uh, Cobbler's uh, upset books, that one. Um, so you're going 2-1, Luke. What about you, Max? It's going to be a difficult one, I think, um, because, as you know, uh, apparently Grimsby are in talks to sign uh, a Luton Town forward that they've signed from Cavalry uh, this week, I think it was, called um, Abraham Peppel. And apparently he's meant to be like the next big thing coming out of out of Canada and he's Canadian Youth International. It just depends. I think if they don't sign and register him before 12 o'clock, um, then uh, I think we'll probably edge it. But I'm going to go with a uh, 3-2 again. I like a, I like a good 3-2 prediction. Um, but it just it just depends how, you know, if we can make the fast start again, like how we played and just keep up that intensity, I think. We'll be on through it for a good 3-2 win. It'll be a bit nervous, but I, 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 I really hope we get another win. Yeah, it, I think we're, we, we, we've got goals. We can chip goals at the moment until it settles down a bit. I'm sure Calder would be working hard on that in defence. So I'm just going to go like a cheeky 1-0, actually. That sort of calling to me and sort of go with about 70th minute and just cling on as we do. But um, all the best to you, Martin, going up to sunny Cleethorpes on Saturday. I'm sure you'll be out on you with your deck chair and your little hanky on your head. <laughs> you, uh... Definitely be some fish and chips, I think. Um, and probably a beverage or three. You know where you're stopping on Saturday, Martin? We're stopping in Louth, which is not the one in Ireland. Oh, Louth is nice. I've been there. It's a very nice little town. Very oh, nice. It's, it's, it's no gains, bro, when it comes to um, trips to Lincolnshire. That is the pièce de la résistance. It is. Well, have a, have a good trip. Hopefully your 2-1 prediction comes true. Thanks, um, you guys, for speaking to me. And we'll speak again soon, no doubt. Thanks a lot. Brilliant. Right, cheers. cheers, Tom. Cheers, everybody. Cheers, guys. Cheers, guys. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.